0: the grave, right? I think we stepped into resurrection power. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to True Vine Worship Center this morning. I'm glad to see you. Know, it seems like we just are ready at takeoff this morning. Uh, There's some expectancy, some excitement in the air this morning, some energy that I haven't felt in a while. So I don't know what God's up to, but I know we can trust Him, right? Amen. And I believe that there could be miracles just for you in this place. The healing's always a promise for you in this place. I tell you what, God is just a good, good Father. Amen. Let's continue to worship. Can you do that? Give him a hand clap of praise like no other. Come on, let's start up here. of the mountain too and i saw a vision of somebody on top of the mountain and somebody down in the valley and the oil from the person on top of the mountain began flowing down into those in the valley where the dry bones were and that person began to stand up and started walking and so the lord was ministering to me he was like you know before they got up to the top of the mountain they were the ones down in the valley but now they can share with those people down in the valley that the lord will raise them up when that all falls on them dry bones. hallelujah you can stand up and you can climb to the top of the mountain
1: oh valley be raised up oh mountain be made low oh valley be raised up Oh, mountain
2: of my enemy in the presence of sickness I will continue to raise a hallelujah in the presence of death I will continue to raise a hallelujah because he knows what he has for me I know everybody probably went why is she sitting down I got a sprained ankle, but I'm still going to raise my hallelujah. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing stops me. Nothing I have made up in my mind to not let nothing stand in between me and what God has for me. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what they think. I don't even care what they do to me. I still love them, and I'm going to continue To look to the hills from which cometh my help. Because all my help comes from the Lord. All my help. Y'all worship with us.
0: the hills, so that's where our help comes from, and and God's been bringing that to my remembrance like for the last couple of weeks, and it's just like, I don't know, when you're down in that that valley, and you've been struggling, and the only place that you know to look, because all around you is, is devastation, the only place that you know to look is is up, and when you're when enemies are coming against you and you're battling whatever it is that you've been struggling with, you know whether it's sickness or or whether it's financial burden, whether it's where you belong in in a place, and and I don't know why I've, I've really felt people struggling this morning as I was praying. I just felt people have been struggling with where they belong, and even with all this stuff around you. You keep looking up because the things around you that you're facing, they don't know what's on the other side. They don't know what's coming over that mountain. Because it said the God of angel armies, he goes before us and he's behind us and he's beside us. And they can't see what you see. And so if you can just remember, no matter if you're in the bottom of the the valley or if you're on the top of the mountain. And like Rebecca was talking about, and that oil just flowing down because once you get to the top of the mountain and turn around, you can then help others who are down there. And to me, that's what she's talking about. That's what I look to the hills. That's where my help comes from. You're looking for, you're looking for God in that situation, but you're also looking to other people and their testimonies. And that's what helps pull you through That anointing oil that's flowing down is what helps pull you through and gets you out of there and helps you know that there is hope. You're not alone. There's hope for this situation. This next song, it talks about being so enraptured with the presence of God. And it's just like all else fades away. And if you're at a place where you're struggling today, I feel like He's just wanting to cover you up. He's just wanting to find find a place where it's just you and Him. And you let everything else go. You let everything else fall away. And the song says, captivate us. And I just pray that if you're struggling today, that you'll just get to a place alone by yourself with God. And you'll just let Him captivate you.
3: face is beautiful and your eyes are like the stars your gentle hands have healing there inside the skies your loving arms they draw me near and just smile and bring Draw me closer Oh my Lord Draw me closer Lord To Thee Captivate us Lord Jesus Set our eyes On You Devastate us with your presence.
4: Come on, aren't you captivated by His presence by His Spirit? Let's put our hands together and bless Jesus in this place. You're patty caking, as the old preacher would say. Come on, let's get on their feet one last time. Let's bless the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, you are the one that's worthy. You are the one that has the name above all names. To you belongs all honor and glory and power and might. We lift your name. We will not fail to give you all the praise for everything that you've done, everything that you will do. We give you praise and thank you for the King of kings and the Lord of lords in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, now as we transition in this time of service, We thank you for the opportunity to give this morning, and it is an opportunity because we know that what we give is not a debt we owe, but it is what? It's a seed that we sow, and we know that good seed sown into good soil brings good fruit. And we thank you that this is good ground, that the kingdom is good ground, that this ministry is good ground. So everyone that sows into this, Father, I pray and declare and prophesy an abundant blessing back upon their life. And even if I didn't pray, declare, or prophesy, it would happen as a result of the law of seed time and harvest and so, and reaping what you sow. So right now in Jesus' name, as everyone gives, bless them abundantly back in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on up to the front and put your offering there in the baskets you can give by text if you want to text to the number 84321, you can log on to our website, truevinestatesville.org. You can give there. Also, you can go to or uh, tvwc.churchcenter.com slash giving. Almost did it without looking. Now, that would have been a miracle. You're quiet this morning. All you can think about is those cakes out front, you bunch of heathens. <laughs> You're not. You captivated. That's what it is. I'm captivated by the smell of some of them pies when I come through. And around me of the Tom and Jerry. Remember the Tom and Jerry where Tom would just float by his nose to the smell of the baked pie? God, that's what I want to do this morning. Hear me out there. Cheesecake, and I don't even know what all the cakes got out there. I know there was one and Elizabeth said, uh, "I want that one," uh, and so she's gonna have it. It's probably gonna cost me a lot, or, or I'm gonna hit Kylie on the side and say, "Can you get me another one, just all on the DL?" <laughs> Oh, man. Hey. Yeah, doing giving. Of course we are. What's up, man? Boom. Slam dunked it. I saw you playing baseball this past week. Was it this past week? Playing baseball out in the yard with your mom? He's embar- I'm sorry. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess, I guess, Children's Church and Nursery, you guys can be dismissed to going back to the back. Children's church having a good time back there. Pre-K through fifth grade, back through that door. Little babies through, oh, oh, it's kindergarten. Keep me straight. Kindergarten through fifth grade back there. Pre-K, or babies through pre-K back through this door. Amen. Well, I'll get it right. I will get it right. Look like they already got me provided with some water. Normally, I preach about an hour per water. <laughs> Some people went into the fire just right there. I said, man, we got Memorial Day plans. Get out of here. Don't sweat it. I do too. My hands behind my head, laying on a chair. Amen. Amen. Well, who loves Jesus the most in this place? I mean, it's not a competition, but I was louder than y'all, so whatever. <laughs> I want to hear it again. Who loves Jesus the most in this place? Ha- has Jesus moved, has the Holy Spirit, Jesus, has he moved for anybody in this place this week? Amen. I'm not going to put you on the spot. If he has, give him praise. Amen. He has for me. He certainly has for me. And so, uh, so some good things happened in the Bunt home. We decided to go find a slobber-producing floppy eared clumsy puppy and picked her up this week so our family grew by one and you should see her she's a little English Mastiff and she's only about 25 or 30 pounds and we have little Rosie who is 4 or 5 but in dog ears in Rosie dog ears she's about 60 or 70 so she's a little ornery and the little playful dog is jumping all over and finally Rosie about half toothless as she is from attacking the raccoon last month goes after her and just nips her to pieces and this dog just keeps flopping all over and I think it's hilarious because it looks just like bunting kids and their mama <laughs> she'll finally have enough. She'll snap back at him. Uh, but, anyways, it's really good to see all of you. Um, it's good to have Mark and Mark and his family doing well and back. And um, glad to hear that Miss Judy's recovering. Uh, she went after Rosie's sister, um, as you know, and had a spill. But she's doing well. She's got some bruising and stuff. So we're still praying uh, for full uh, healing for her. And. Uh, Today I want to kind of continue along the same uh, sort of path, the trajectory where we've been the last few weeks. Uh, as I said before, I think it's imperative. Uh, I'm going to grab a stool, is that cool? Did you hear that? I'm going to grab a stool, is that cool? And sit down maybe just for a minute, because I probably will get to preach on me a little bit later this afternoon. Or this, I shouldn't say this afternoon, but a little bit later this morning. But for, first I want to talk uh, along the same lines I've been talking about the mind of Christ. Have, has anybody learned or, or, or maybe been uh, encouraged about this talking about this the past few weeks? Well, thank you, all four of you. God bless you to pieces. I just love you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, so, for those of you that have been here, you know that our series has been on talking about the mind of Christ. We have uh, the Holy Spirit, and we do. And and I think services like this. Uh, where we enter into his presence collectively and we feel the corporate anointing um and that's that's a wonderful place and it's a wonderful place to be and it has seemed though and i've been in church for uh, how old am i 33 33 34 years now i've been in church most of my life um and i've watched moves of god uh really good incredible like revivals or just just moves of god in general and they and over time they begin they seem to dissipate and it, and it seems counterintuitive. How does something that God does, how does it sort of dissipate over time? That doesn't make any sense. If God does something, I mean, one time he said, let there be light, and guess what? Ever since then, the, the sun raises up in the morning on the eastern sky, goes down, but he's going to get it back up again the next day. And so God says it, and it should. But the reason, in my opinion, and I think that where we have failed, and, and, and the good thing about failure is failure is not final. Failure is an opportunity and a call. It, uh, Kelly you would say it this this way: What you see is not a wall at all; it's a call, and the call is to come up higher. And if we learn, if we learn the difference between these wonderful um, cataclysmic spiritual moves that we do experience here, um, and, and what that is and what it isn't, and then how do we subs- uh, sustain that? in our personal lives, then I don't think there ever will be one of these things where it sort of gets real big and we've got these ebbs and flows and these major spiritual outpourings, and then boom, they all just sort of dissipate over time. And the missing ingredient, as I've said for the last two or three weeks now, in my opinion, uh, and I do know a few things, I don't know all things and I don't pretend to know all things, but the things that I speak, I speak those things that I see and hear. That's what Jesus said, it's what I see. And if the Father gives it to me to say by His Spirit, I do my best to give it. The thing we've been missing is the mind of Christ. I mean so much uh, because, and I don't mean, I don't just mean, I should say I don't just mean to think like Christ, and we should, but the actual mind of Christ, the mind, the will, the processing, uh, the, the, the perception uh, of Christ. If, if we don't have that, and if we don't approach life with that mind, then what happens is we project what we think things should be or why we think things have or have not happened on the situation that may not have anything whatsoever to do with it, so we approach it really in a misnomer, and, and, and so we don't know how to work through it and, 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 and let it evolve and I know a lot of people don't like that word but I use it just to irritate you e- evolve into what God always wanted it to be in the first place I don't, I don't think man came from monkeys I'm not stupid um, but the things do evolve over time if you think that you're not stupid either you just don't know yet so I didn't mean to call you stupid if you think that Lord we'll have a service for you afterwards and we'll deliver you from that lying demon so today what I want to talk about, and I think it's going to be, uh, we're going to start with teaching, but I really do think it might get into preaching a little bit, is, is we talked the first week about the mind of Christ, and then last week about uh, what it was, and then last week we talked about the garden of your mind. Remember planting good seeds, good seeds sown in into good soil brings good fruit. Today is the mind of Christ, but this is it. No darkness at all. Say with me, no darkness at all. No darkness at all. All right, let's read some. We'll read. We'll read a little bit. Uh, last week we talked um, about having the mind of Christ um, to see as He sees, hear as He hears, love as He loves, as Paul said in Romans twelve two. He says, um, "Don't be squeezed into the mold of this present age, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think." We talked about this already. Remember, um, remember, Paul said, the King James, a lot of you are familiar as I am with the King James, be not conformed, con means to bring down, conformed, brought down to the pattern of the world, but rather be transformed, which is the word metamorphosis, which is exactly what a little worm goes through before it becomes a beautiful butterfly. And a lot of you love Jesus to pieces, but your life looks more like a worm than a butterfly. But, but hang on, because as we are renewed, as we renew our minds, as it's it's, it's transformation by renovation. Remember we talked about the old uh, the old house that's going to be remodeled? You don't bring in new material and take you take the old material out. And I'm going to take some old material out today. You going to allow me to do that some? I've taken it out the last few weeks. I've taken it out specifically regarding you. Here's some old material. Uh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You've got to pick one. Don't get mad at me, I, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, but that's the starting point. That's not where we land. You're not a sinner. You're saved by grace. You're not a dirty wretch. You, maybe you were a wretch. I don't know, but you're not a dirty wretch. You're a son or daughter. Can't you see the father looking down with love and delight on his children and saying, you stinking little wretch? Now, I had three or four giggles because you know intuitively that's not the way Father sees us. So you're starting to get, but today I don't want to just talk about, um, about re-characterizing and reunderstanding your identity and who you are. It first has to start with who he is. And in him, there is no darkness at all. I'm not just saying it. That is a direct quote from your Bible. That's what we're going to talk about today. There's a difference in uh, reforming how we, th- or, uh, a total reformation and just changing what we think. I don't want to teach you what to think. It's not my job to teach you what, what to think. It's my job to have you open up and understand how to think. Any good teacher, whether it's of the Bible or of, of, any, of, uh, 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 of any subject matter in the world, is much better to teach you how to think and not what to think. Because if you learn what to think, then you just become an echo. But if you learn how to think, then you'll have a voice. Yeah, that's good. Write that down. Write that one down. So last week we talked about the garden of your mind. I compared our minds to the Garden of Eden, where mankind walked with God in perfect, unbroken communion. You remember? This was his purpose and plan for mankind from the beginning, from back before the beginning, all along. But Adam ruined that, and I told you I wanted to smack that sucker, and he broke fellowship. He broke fellowship. I would like to give you a side note there. When he broke fellowship, God came to him and God did not curse Adam. Actually, what God said was cursed is the ground for your sake. Boy, you extra quiet today. Extra quiet today. Jesus coming to seek and save that which was lost was not just saving those as in the beings and the souls that were lost, but true and original identity as sons and daughters of God with perfect, unbroken access to the Father. And not just access as if he's sometimes removed. Perfect access means we walk and talk and move and have our being with and in him at all times. Not just in the, in the, in the services where we really feel his spirit. This fallen state is, much about a falling, is as much about a fallen awareness as it is a fallen reality. I'm talking about the fallen state of mankind from Adam. I've got to lay this foundation and we're going to talk about, to talk about no darkness at all. Um, and when I, when, I, when, I, when I talk this way, uh, I'm just praying that you're taking it in. Uh, because it, it, it would revolutionize your life if you change your mind. Um, and so what happened with Adam was not just a fall from grace, but it was a fall from awareness. It was a fall from awareness. And Jesus, through the finished work of the cross, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but just for the sake of saying it. Jesus, in the finished work of the cross, brought back to fullness... Everything that the father originally intended with his son, Adam, because Adam was made a living soul. But Jesus, the last Adam, was a quickening spirit. And by the work of his cross, he restored all of those things back unto us, and he reconciled us back to the father. Jesus did not come and die to get you a mansion in heaven, and I hope you get one, and you probably will. Jesus came to restore perfect, unbroken communion with the Father, period. That's what his job was, and he did do it. And here's the problem in 2022. Most people, uh, they're not aware of a reality that already exists. They're waiting to make heaven their home instead of making their home like heaven. How many people would like to have the righteousness, peace, and joy in your house every single day, whether you're here or there? How many people would like to have heaven and earth and not just waiting to go to heaven one day? Because that's what Jesus paid for. He looked at, he looked at the Pharisees one day and said, Boys, the kingdom of God is within you. It comes not with observation as ye suppose. That's what he said. In other words, not by observing laws or observing times and seasons. It's here is within you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand within your grasp literally within your grasp. The issue is not whether or not it's available. The issue is that most church people are taught to be afraid every Sunday so they'll get prayed every Sunday so they get saved every Sunday so they fill the plate every Sunday and r- rather or, or lather, rinse, repeat every single week instead of saying, hey, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the head and not the tail. You have access to every good and perfect gift that the Father paid for in the life of His Son right now. That was the mandate. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We don't know, so we have been given full access and full assurity that we can approach his throne, but we don't know it, so we don't approach it. So we we treat prayer as though it's a Christmas list thrown up to a cosmic Santa Claus. Maybe he'll answer it. Maybe he won't. If I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get nothing. He's not Santa Claus. He's good, and in him there is no darkness at all. So although through Jesus' finished work of the cross, we have our souls regenerated, we do not have our minds renewed. And until we renew our minds, we will remain hopeful but powerless, believing yet at the same time doubting. If we are to live to the fullness of our inheritance in this realm, in this life, in this earth, it is imperative we must renew our minds. We talked about renovating our minds last week. I've already kind of gone through some of this. But it starts with how we think. Uh, it's imperative first to renovate what we think about God. So much of what we do in life as people, as a community, even as a government, honestly, has found its basis in poor theology and poor eschatology. There have been decisions made in this country. For instance, can can I share something that happened with you and dad in the 80s that you guys decided to opt? That, that's not embarrassing or anything, is it? So my dad, back in the early, late 70s, early 80s, believed, and, and coming on to the 80s, there was a book, and it was called The Late Great Planet Earth. Anybody familiar with it? Hal Lindsey. Tell you what it's good for. It's really good to start a fire in your bonfire. That's about what it's good for. That's about what it's good for. Because what it does is it produces fear. And, and, and then there was another book that said 88 Reasons That Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. An actual book. And when the guy made millions off of it, when it didn't happen, he revised it and resold it. I mean, dumb and dumber. Here, take my money, please. Take my money, please. That sounds mean to say, but my God, if he missed it the first two or three days, probably ain't right. This this any minute any minute escapism does not find its theology in, or does not find its basis in a real biblical ex- exegesis and I don't, I'm not getting into that today I certainly don't want to but what I, I don't want to talk eschatology which is the study of last things what I do want to talk about is theology because we've gotten it so wrong and we've made so many decisions that, that have that have that have hurt our lives because we didn't know what I was going to share was the example was in the early 80s my father actually believed and thought at some point Jesus was going to come suck us all out of here we. weren't going to be in the earth for what 10 or 15 more years we were little kids he was teaching us how to live off the land and all the good stuff which was fine and he said you know what I'm going to opt out of social security if you could go back in time today knowing what you know now that he's been gone 10 years and opt back in to have that benefit would you do it absolutely absolutely Absolutely, and, he did, and then he learned later, obviously, obviously he learned later, and they made decisions that bettered them off, but the point of it is, we make life decisions based on our image of God that is totally and completely, at best, at best, it's a misnomer, it's broken, and at worst, it's completely and utterly false. So we treat ourselves and we treat each other on the basis of how we see Him, and it's not a, it's not a new phenomenon, that actually has happened through the, through the ages, I know I'm going to challenge, I know that I'm going to challenge your theology. And it probably needs to be challenged. So does mine. I have no problem. Here's the thing. Don't miss this. The Word of God, the true Word of God can take all the scrutiny that you can throw at it. So go ahead and scrutinize it. And I want you to go ahead and sit with it, soak in it, speak to the Lord about it, contemplate, read, study, and then come back and say, man, amen, Josh. So renovating our minds, it's imperative first to renovate what we think about God. That's the, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve walked, they walked and talked and lived and moved with God in perfect, unbroken relationship. The Bible says that God said, "Let us make man in our image and after our likeness." Now, did or did He not say that? This is Genesis 1. I'll give you a quick, a a quick, very cool secret. If you want to know, if you go and read Genesis chapter 1 and especially the first few verses, then go to John chapter 1 and read the first few verses. The first is the what, and the second is the how. For instance, Genesis 1-1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1-1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1-1 through the first few verses is literally telling you the how of Genesis 1. All things were made. He was with the Father in the beginning. He is the Logos, which is the, the Greek word for word. I literally had someone that argued with me on social media sometime in the last year and literally believed that in the beginning was the Word. They had a picture of a leather-bound Bible, and that was God. Now, some of you might think that, and that's okay if you do. It won't be okay if you think that after I'm done. Because the book, and and I'm obviously reading from it. It is beautiful, and it is God's gift to us. But Jesus is the Word, and the Bible is the book about the Word. you got to get that clear. It's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's holy, and I love it. I truly, truly, truly love it. Please don't come out of here thinking, oh, you don't love that. No, I love the Bible, but the Bible is not to be deified. Jesus, when you read in the beginning was the Word, it's not in the beginning was the Bible, but in the beginning was the Logos, that's the Greek word, the logic, the mind, the perfect representation of Father. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and it was God. Jesus was the mind of God, and I've been talking about what? The mind of Christ. You are more powerful than you know. And I'm trying to raise your, your awareness of how powerful you are. What we think and what we believe about God shapes the way we live, act, and respond in everyday life. For instance, modern Western evangelism uses scare tactics and the thought of, of an eternal conscious torment and hell and everything to try to win people in the kingdom. That's, and that's what's called evangelism. It's no basis whatsoever in truth. It's a relatively new phenomenon to use eternal conscious torment to try to win people, so to speak, in the kingdom. Jesus said you must be born again. To enter the kingdom, you must be born again. Not be made afraid, and I'm not suggesting you should or shouldn't at some time be afraid of things, or that there, should, there is or isn't a hell. This is not the hell discussion, but it, this is an understanding about, God, uh, about God's subject. It, and, and the eternal conscious torment uh, scare you every Sunday to an altar to get saved again and again and again. That's a relatively new phenomenon, and it finds itself in Western culture only. You'll not go to any church in the eastern part of the world, even today, like Eastern Orthodox Church. They don't even talk about that. It's, it's more relational. And I'm not Eastern Orthodox, but I like a lot. It's, it's more relational. If you, read, if you read the apostles and the patristic fathers, which were the sons of the apostles and those that came after, they always talk about the goodness of God. Always, always. In fact, there's a scripture in your King James Bibles that says, it is the goodness of God that leads men unto. And repentance is not, I'm sorry. Repentance is, I've seen things this way and I've done things this way, and I make a 180 degrees, now I'm going to go the other way. That's what repentance means, to change or to turn. Think about the word repent. Let's separate the word repent. Re, which means to do again, and pent, like a penthouse. Repent means to go back to the original intent, back to the top like you were supposed to be in the first place. It's not sl- slobbering and crying and saying, I'm sorry. And that, Sometimes it's good for you to do that. I'm not suggesting you should not have sorrow whenever you do things that you know you shouldn't do. But you can't stay and wallow in that sorrow or you'll never know who you truly were called to be. Amen. And the reason most of these people use scare tactics is because they don't know him who was from the beginning. And I'm not trying to throw off. Thank God for preachers. I mean, I, I, I don't agree with a whole lot of what a lot of them say. They don't, probably don't agree with a whole lot of what I say. But I'm glad someone is spreading the message. At least if it's an incomplete message, there's somebody still getting some message. Whether it's 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, whether it's outer court, inner court, or holy of holies, it doesn't matter if they're getting word, at least they're getting something. It's a whole lot better than the alternative. It's better than the your alternative, but Paul finally said at one point, he said, let's leave these basic, simple principles and let's grow up into Christ. And it's time to grow up a little bit. How many people want to grow up a little bit? Yes. A part of our growing up is becoming aware of what our inheritance is and then walking in it. Because until we mature into a place of walking in it, the Bible says you're no different than a slave, though you be the heir of all things. And that's what we have in the church. We have a church full of the heir of all things. The Bible says that we are heirs of God and joining us with Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm an heir of God. But you're immature and you get offended at every little thing that happens so you don't get access to the good stuff. And that's why you're, that's what, like I said before, you're hopeful but powerless. Believing but you never see life transformed. Certainly not because of what, anything that you have or, or would do. But you can and you should. And that's your high calling. <clears throat> If they knew him and his nature, they would preach about his goodness, his favor, which is his true nature. And that would draw prodigal sons back to his goodness instead of trying to scare prodigal sons back into the fold. They see everything through the perception of a wrathful, vengeful, angry God because that's what they are instead of the true perception of God which is that of a loving father running breathlessly after his returning son. I have often said the father did not chase his son into the pig pen and it's true, but his goodness did. His goodness did because it was when the son eating the slop in the pig pen with the pigs and the hogs remembered the goodness of his father's house. It was the goodness that haunted him. He remembered. But even in my father's house, there's some to eat and some to spare. I will return. He returned because of father's goodness, not because of fear of what the father might do. So for us to have a transformed mind, we're going to have to have a total reformation of how we think. And in my opinion, that starts with how and what we think about God. And more specifically, what we think about Father. And the reason that's more specific is because God is a title. Father is His nature. That's who He is. Brennan Manning said, The revolutionary revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus was the Our Father principle. It's beautiful. If you've not read his book, go read the Ragamuffin Gospel. It'll change your life. There's a, there's a lot I could recommend. Now, this is not for those of you that have never messed up. For people like me that mess up a lot and and we start to take our identity and the things that we've done instead of who God calls us to be, you would love the book. Go read it. He's passed away and a lot of people don't like him. That's fine. A lot of people don't like you too. God was revealed by Jesus as Father. Father. Jesus shows us the true nature of the Father and any nature of God. Please don't miss this. If you're taking notes, take this one. This is, this is paramount. Any nature of God that is seen anywhere, including in the Old Testament or New Testament with the apostles or the old prophets, is subservient to and must bow to the nature of God as revealed in, in, in and through the life of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. A lot of people don't like this. This shakes them up because they think the God that Moses revealed is somehow equal to the God revealed in Jesus. That's not the case. Moses saw in part, but when when that which is perfect has come, and let me tell you, the perfect one did come, then that which is in part is done away with. That's why Jesus could confidently stand up and say, before Abraham was, I am, or before Solomon was, I am. Every single picture of the Father that you see in the Bible, in the prophets, in the Psalms, in the New Testament, it has to take a knee to the nature of Father as revealed in the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, period. That's what John 1 :1 says, in the beginning was the logos, the logic, I've already said this, the the perfect expression, I like the Passion Translation calls him the living expression. So let's be willing to take the risk. How many people are willing to take a risk? I know some of you aren't. That's okay. That's okay. You'll get there. Listen at least. To see God today in a different way. To see him in a new light. To see him as he is because the scripture is clear that we become like him when we see him as he is. We always think that means when he's going to split the sky one day, maybe He, you know, that's between you and him. I told you I didn't want to talk eschatology because I don't want you mad at me. And ours probably doesn't match. But when he splits the eastern sky, oh, there he is, boom, and now we're transformed like him. No, it's not so much his appearing that makes us like him. It's our becoming like him that causes him in our age to appear. So let's be willing to take the risk to see him in a new light, a different way as he is. So exactly who and what is the nature of God? I believe that we see his nature as revealed uh, in the life of Jesus in the four Gospels, but also his apostles go on to live after Jesus' ascension and coronation in heaven, and they give their lives as a testimony to his true nature. And my favorite of all of them, it doesn't have to be yours, my favorite is John. How could it not be? John John is the one disciple that didn't leave Jesus in his most destitute state, hanging to death, bleeding to death on a cross. John was there, and Jesus said, woman, behold your son. Then he looked at John and said, John, behold your mother. What a beautiful thing! John was with him all the way to the. John was the one that time and time again, when they find when they're eating together or teaching together, what's John doing? He's got his head pressed up against the chest of Jesus, is the way the scripture says it. That no wonder John was the one that could heal or hear and reveal the heartbeat of God. That's where his ear was, all the time. All the other ones were jockeying for, hey, can I sit at the right hand of your throne when you come, or can I sit at the left? Jesus said, that's that, that that's for my father to decide. John just is saying, can I just listen to your heartbeat? Is it any wonder that, G- that John would be the one to which the revelation of Jesus Christ, that's also been hijacked, as if it's the revelation of Antichrist. All you, all you Antichrist watchers, oh my God, the Antichrist is about to appear. The Antichrist is about to appear. Hey, the, of is, the spirit of Antichrist has already been here. In fact, that is in your Bible. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work. That's the King James Version of it. But the revelation, the last book of your, of your New Testament, the 66th book of the Bible in your, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse is about the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Not end times and, oh God, there's there's bombs and this nation and that nation. Oh my God, well, let's run for the hills and go. No, no, that's not. The revelation of Jesus Christ is what that book's about. So let's take the risk to see him as he is. Amen. So John chapter 1, sorry, sorry, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. The living expression, the living expression. I'm reading from the Passion. Now, I've actually got two or three different translations I want to read. Starting with verse 1, we saw him with our very own eyes. This life giver was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver. So that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. This is the life-giving message. We heard Him share it and it still rings in our ears. How beautiful is that? We now repeat His words unto you. God is pure light You will never find any trace of darkness in him. God is pure light. And the King James says, and in him there is no darkness at all. Say with me, no darkness at all. Now we're talking about the nature of Father as revealed in the life of Jesus Christ. John makes, excuse me, John makes it very clear. Hey, we saw Him. We lived with Him. We touched Him. We heard His own words. We felt Him. He taught us, and now we live and give our lives to this end, that you may know the one that was from the beginning, because we know Him, and this is what we know about Him. In Him is light, and there is no darkness at all. Now, I'm going I'm to challenge you to go and find something in the Old Testament about God that seems to be dark. Because if you look hard enough, you're going to find plenty. And yet John is saying emphatically, we lived with him. We touched him. We saw him. We watched him bleed. We saw his body get up. We, live, we know. And I'm telling you, in him there's no dark. He is light. This is the life-giving message. This is the hope that we heard from him. And it gives you hope because God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him at all. We repeat these words. You will never find a trace of darkness in him. Although we don't have these exact words in the four gospels, it is clear through John and the apostles that they attributed these words to Jesus himself. So out of the mouth of Jesus are the words according to what John's writing in the writing of Peter and the other apostles that God is light and in him you can't find any shade, not so much as an inkling of darkness. I'm getting where I want to get to now. Six, if we claim that we share life with him, which is quantanea, you know that, having things in common, sharing what he has and who he is, that's what he, unbroken fellowship. This is the first of the six conditional if clauses throughout the scripture. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, then we share unbroken fellowship also with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. And sin is not What you think it is, what you think sin is, is really symptoms of sin. You think sin is when you watch something you shouldn't watch, do something you shouldn't do, or whatever. That's not sin. That's the symptom of sin. Sin is seeing yourself, God, or others as less than who He is, who you are, who they are. Because sin in its truest identity means missing the mark or a mistaken identity. And the symptom of sin are the things we do. Amen? It's true. It's true. Just want to make sure you're there. This, in essence, this is the, uh, the message translation says it this way. Uh, I'm sorry, let, let me back up. If we keep living in the pure light, then we, have share, then we share unbroken fellowship with God and with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. My keynote scripture is verse 5. St. John the Beloved says that, in essence... This is what we learned from Jesus about the Father. If I can sum it all up into one phrase, if, I can sum, if, I, if it filters all down, and I had one last sentence to tell you before God takes me, here's what I want to say. And John does not waste his time saying, God is ticked. He's mad because you bunch of low, dirty, rotten scoundrel, sinning, drinking. Uh, what's the other stuff we do? Uh, Smoking, I mean none of this. Smoking, shooting up, whoring around, you bunch of you bunch of filthy demons, you're all gonna bust hell wide open. That's the nonsense you hear behind the podium on Sundays. John says this: if I have one sentence left to say, emphatically, if I can say one thing, if I can get one thing through, it it will bring me the uttermost joy. That's what he says, that our joy may be full. If you want to feel me full of joy, then please, of anything else, understand this. Jesus If the Father is light, Jesus says, the Father is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Here's the message translation. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. Your King James Version says this. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Well, what is darkness? I'll tell you. Darkness in, in your uh, in your Greek uh, lexicon, your, de, your your Greek um, concordance, is this the uh, the skodia, and, and it means obscurity or dimness it comes from the root word "skotos," which means shadiness or obscurity that and when it filters all down it comes down to darkness is shadow obscurity or vagueness and John is saying in him is light and there is no obscurity about who he is it's not a dark he's not secretive he's not trying to hide something from you there is no obscurity he is and he only is good love and perfect light so my question is, what if something that we saw of him in previous, even scripture, or, or, or what men have said from behind podiums, what if, it, what if it contradicts the idea and the truth, should I say, of God being light, then it must be subservient to the God who is only light, because in him there is no darkness at all. And he didn't like, get, God didn't get saved at the cross. It's kind of funny to say, but we think, you know, God was the one that got saved. God got saved. Now he, now he behaves. Because before then, he just wanted to beat us all to crap, you know, send us all to hell. Thank you for getting saved, God. You really, you, you know, you really needed it. No, he didn't get saved. The Bible is very clear that God, the Father, was in Christ reconciling us unto himself. Remember this, John speaking about what they learned through the words, the life, and the ministry of Jesus. In God, there's no obscurity, there's no vagueness, there's no darkness at all. No more shadows. Jesus is God, is light, and light means revealed. So God is not obscure, He's actually revealed. Well, where was He revealed? In the life of His Son. So it would be true to say anything that you can, cannot say about the nature of Jesus, you better not be saying about the nature of Father. Well, beloved, I don't care what you read. What does Jesus say? We have to remember the, the Rosetta Stone of all Scripture. Do you remember when you read maps when you were a kid and, and, then, and down at the bottom would be the key? You know what I mean, and you. So you know, this long would equal you know two hundred and seventy kilometers or whatever. And you always look at you like, why the heck giving us kilometers? This is America, man. Tell me in miles. You remember those little things? You couldn't understand the distance. You could understand the distance on a map better if you took this little measurement, this key, and understood by this key how far this is. Jesus is the Rosetta Stone. He's the key of us understanding the nature of Father. And if, if we can't say it about the nature of Jesus, you should not be saying it about the nature of Father. I know this challenges a lot of people because we think that, that the Trinity is not really a Trinity, but there are four members, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Bible. And I'm not anti-Bible, ever. Don't put that in my mouth. Don't twist my words. I am for the Bible. But I'm, I'm, but, but there, but I'm more for who Jesus Christ is as a person as revealed in his Bible. Who Father is as revealed in his Bible. I said once, I actually said this uh, probably four or five years ago. One of the, one of the devastating hurricanes came through. I, I wish I could remember which one it was. Andrew or something? There was a, it was a really, really bad, it was way after Katrina. And, huh? It was after Katrina, but whatever. It was probably about five or six or seven years ago. It was one of the big ones that hit. I can't remember if it was New Orleans. it's somewhere in the Gulf Coast. And No, no, you know what? I know it was the Gulf Coast or it might have been Florida because it was going to affect our friends that live in Jacksonville. And and I had a lot of friends in, in a lot of Florida. And I reached out to them and said, just want you to know we're praying for you. We love you. Uh, and I think I had put it on their post on their Facebook page. And, and this religious nut from Statesville, God bless his soul, came on and said, well, how do you know? God, God's judging them. They're a bunch of... Uh, they're, uh, they're a bunch of gaze or whatever. I don't know what he said. It was some dumb stuff like that. He's just, I said, I said so you think that God is sending a hurricane to punish, the, to punish everybody for something that you see? I said, well, what a fool you must be. I said, go in the scripture, in the gospels and find one time ever. I said, it probably ain't, probably ain't Jesus in the storm. When I look at the nature of Jesus, he's always calming them. He walked in the middle of them. He was with them in the middle of them. You know what he was doing? He was saying this, peace, be still. And fear not, peace be still. And he was not qualifying. Now, are you right with God before I do this? Because if not, all hell's going to bust loose on you. Peter, the reason the storm came is because do you know what you were doing last night by God? You know what you did. That's why the storm came. God is sending a whirlwind. He's going to clean the place up. He's going to straighten them up. The only one that knows him is me and who I tell him about. Tell him about him. I've got all revelation and knowledge and and God's cleaning the place out and, and, and real quick, get me an offering. And I said, no, you'll never find in the nature of Jesus, him destroying or hurting people to teach them a lesson. And if you can't find it in the nature of Jesus, you should not be projecting it upon his father. I'm still friends with that guy, by the way. We're all growing. I don't think that I have it all in any way, shape, or form. The thing that I know is him, I know him. I know him through relationship. I know him through experience. I know him through contemplation. I know him through his word. And until we settle the nature of God, (laughs) you'll be powerless the rest of your life. You'll feel his spirit, and you'll be full of his spirit. You'll have (laughs) have the heart of Jesus and the mind of a pigeon. The heart of a dove and the mind of a pigeon. The heart of Christ, the mind of Adam. In the kingdom of God, in the heavenly realm, the thought produces the action. But in this realm, the word produces the action. Did you know that? It's true. It's true. That's why it is imperative because kingdom come is a reality right now. It's imperative that we have the mind of Christ. Because when we have the mind of Christ and we have the thought of Christ and we have the thought of Christ in this realm, we declare it as a word. And when we declare it as a word, it goes forth and it will accomplish the thing where it is sent. Light means revealed. Light means accessible. Light means seen and known. And the God that was seen and known is the same as the God that was touched and felt. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, sh- I shouldn't have to argue this very often, but it's, it's utterly p- preposterous how many people equate Jesus and the Bible. And the Bible was, was inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by men, about him. And it was a, if you can see it this way. Let me put it this way. The, the, way, the way I believe the Lord makes it clear to me. It, it, was a, it was a coming to a knowledge of who God was. Abraham didn't have the knowledge of God as we have it. How could he? I mean, the, the the Hebrew nation was gonna be born of his loins, of which Jesus would be a descendant. He saw prophetically, bits and pieces, so did David, so did Moses, so did Elijah, so did Samuel, so did all the Old Testament prophets. And that's why when John comes on the scene, Jesus says something so peculiar. He says, of all of the the men that have been born of women, there has not arisen a greater prophet than John the Baptist. I used to be really perplexed by that. Like, I mean, John just said, repent, repent, repent. Is that what made him the greatest? No, what made him the greatest, he's the only, and remember, he is an Old Testament prophet because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the transition from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant into the New Covenant. We read it in our Bible and it says the New Testament, but it's the transitionary period. The New Covenant really is established in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit is given to the church. Is this too much information? I need to get back where I'm just preaching you guys happy because I I don't want to waste your time or mine. And so... Uh, that, so, so we have these transitionary periods, so John was the very last Old Testament prophet and the only one who saw with his own eyes what the rest of them had, saw, had seen only in part he looked that 's why Jesus would say of all the and he said, and yet the least in the kingdom is greater than he it doesn 't mean a greater person what he means they have more access because in the kingdom they 're going to have the ability to have my And have my spirit. And if you have, uh, if you have my mind and you've got my spirit, you can say and move and talk as the children of God that you are. Not seeing in types and shadows, not seeing in part, but walking with wholeness and purity and, and perfect, unbroken relationship with Father and with each other. No more shadows. Jesus is light. Light means accessible. Light means revealed. And the God that was seen and known is the one that is touched and felt. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus went about doing good and healing some. No, that ain't what it says. Jesus went about doing good sometimes. That's not what it says either. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And the word devil just means adversary. And a better rendering is accuser. Killing all that are oppressed by the accuser. What? All of us have that in our mind. The accusations that come. You know who you are. You know what you've done. It sounds like the serpent in the garden. Hath God said? Hath God said? That when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. God knows you will surely not die. But when you eat of that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The serpent lies now like he lies then. And the lie then was you must do something to be like God. And the Bible is emphatically clear in that let us make man in our image. They were already like God. The lie was you had to do something to become like God. The truth was you were already like God. What needs to happen is not about eating fruit. It's about, it's about becoming aware of a reality that already is. For, for us to renovate or transform our thinking about God, we're going to have to see God through the life and lens, or should I say through the lens of the life of Jesus. As I said before, he is the Rosetta Stone. He was in the beginning with God and he was God. He is the Logos or the logic of God. He is the living expression of God. Every expression, thought, or description of God that has ever been known is subservient to the nature of God as revealed in his Son, Jesus Christ. That's a mouthful. That's theology in, that, that is theology 101 right there. Every single description or attribute of God is subservient to the nature of God as found in His Son, Jesus Christ. The fact that somebody has to argue that means you really don't know who Jesus was, so how could you know who the Father was? Jesus was not an equal to Moses. He was not an equal to Job. He was not an equal to any of the prophets of old. He was the fulfillment of what they saw. That's what I told you before. He said, before Abraham was, I am. A greater than Solomon is here. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And Jesus said, and yet a greater than, I am the fulfillment. Then he walks on the road to Emmaus. Remember this? He walks on the road to Emmaus with some of his disciples. This is after resurrection. And he just kind of strolling. they're taking their walk, and they're crying, and they're tormented, and and they're perplexed, and they don't know what the heck are we going to do now. Our hope is gone. The Savior is gone. The one we believed in is gone. And Jesus just sneaks in joins without being invited and joins the conversation. And the Bible says that he had kept their eyes holding, that's the way the King James says it, or hidden so they didn't know who he was. And he says, hey boys, what's going on? How you doing? What are these things you are talking about that make you sad while you're walking along? They said, man, are you crazy? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Have you are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Do you not know what has happened? That Jesus, which we believe to the Messiah, was brought and was crucified. I mean, how could you? How could you ask us how we're perplexed? And then Bob, the Bible says, "And Jesus opened their eyes, and starting with Moses and all of the prophets, He revealed everything concerning Himself," which is to say, every prophetic word, every prophecy, every Old Testament prophet only spoke to and pointed to jesus they would all say this that's the one he's the one we kneel and our perception of god takes a knee at the one who reveals the true nature of the father yes, amen. if moses were here that's why you remember mount of trans i'm trying not to i'm getting excited now on the mount of transfiguration jesus says come on boys i'm going to take peter and james and john come with me uh peter means the rock james means exchange and john means beloved or the word or grace uh which, which Jesus was just saying, I'm about to exchange the old law with grace. But anyways, and he says, come up on the Mount of Transfiguration with me. They didn't know what it was going to happen. The Bible says, and there he stood, and he shone, his face shone like the, like the sun. And there appeared with him Moses and Elijah. You ever read the Transfiguration? There appeared with Isn't it a fascinating story? It's a fascinating story if you have no revelation of what actually was happening. It becomes more fascinating and yet empowering when you know what was happening. Here's Jesus standing, and here comes Moses, and here comes Elijah, and they're talking to Jesus. And the Bible says, as they talk, Peter said, "Man, this is crazy." I, I mean, I would say that like if, like if Jesus appeared to my dad and say, Kelly Barnes, somebody would be like, "Man, this is crazy." I've seen that. I was in uh, I was in Ghana in 2000. Let's see, was it Ghana? Yeah. No, no, Ghana in 2011, because 13s went to Peru. 2011, and I was preaching, I looked up, and I saw a big old sphere open in the heavens. The Lord opened up a window, and I don't even know what I, what I was preaching, mean, I, I, I was gone. And all I saw was Kelly Varner, and then I saw Sydney Smith, and they were laughing their heads off. And then at the end of it, Kelly Varner says, keep preaching, son, keep preaching. And whew, it closed up, and I finished the service. I don't care if you believe it or not, that's fine. It's probably why you don't have experiences, because you don't have the belief for it, but I know what happened. And this is what Peter's saying, man, this is crazy. That's Moses right there. So if I think of Moses, what I'm thinking about? Oh, that's the law because the law was given to Moses. So, okay, so Moses probably is typical or or a type of the law. I get it. That's cool. Here's Jesus, and then there's the law. Oh my God. Now there's Elijah over there. If I think of Elijah, what do I think of? Oh, I think of the prophets. I mean, this guy was the one that would kill, that would have uh, all the prophets of Baal slain. And the Bible says that he went up in a chariot, a whirlwind of fire, and his mantle fell back to the earth. And Elisha picked it up and he walked back to the river. And he said, Where, the, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote the water and he walked across on dry ground. And the, and the key about Elijah ascending but the mantle staying was the same thing about Jesus Jesus ascended but Christ stayed, which is the nature of Christ. Jesus ascended but his nature stayed in the earth. Ugh. I'm just trying to preach a little bit so you'll get with me because you don't like the teaching. And, and he says, There's Moses, there are the prophets, and there's Elijah, or, or, or there's the law, and there's Elijah, there are the prophets. And something fascinating happens. The Bible says, And then Moses and Elijah were completely and utterly overshadowed, and there remained Jesus only. And here's what the Father said This is my beloved Son, hear him. He's in, what he's implying is you don't need the type of the law and you don't need a type of the prophets anymore because they are fulfilled or filled full in him. Listen to him. Hear him. He is everything I've ever wanted to say. I personally believe that when the cloud overshadowed Moses and Elijah, they were both like the cherubim on the mercy seat. And they were both bowing. They saw Jesus in the middle. And Moses shouted, holy. And Elijah this way shouted back, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the Bible says that they ceased not to cry. Day or night, "Holy, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Which was and which is and which is to come. And stood alone by himself was Jesus. And the voice of the Father came out of the cloud and said, Boys, you don't need the type and you don't need the shadow because the reality is here. Hear him. Yeah. Can I need some water. Huh? It's my 30-minute bottle. Ten minutes left. To begin the process of renovating our minds, especially in 2022, we have, when we've been inundated with poor theology at best or false theology at worst, it is imperative that we renovate our thinking about the nature of the Father. He is not a vindictive, angry, manipulative being, full of vengeance and wrath, but he is as he was, and who he was and who he is is completely and utterly revealed in the Logos, the the logic the living expression, which is Jesus. We truly don't know him, and it is evident in the way we treat ourselves and each other. It's evident in the way we evangelize. It was Voltaire who said this, In the beginning, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. Yeah, that's what I said when I read it. i read it again. I think it's worth repeating. Voltaire said this, he coined it, In the beginning, God created man in his image, And man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. We make God in our image. So if we're quick to become angry, if we're bitter, if we're mean, if we're ugly, if we're self-righteous, if we always think we're right and never wrong, then we project that upon God and assume God is the way that we are. No wonder we're powerless. We've created a God in our own image. What we tend to do is project upon God our own feelings. Sometimes those feelings are for vengeance or wrath. Sometimes those feelings are that of unworthiness. He has none of those things, and neither are we. But when we see him as he is, then we see ourselves as we truly are, then we truly begin loving or living life more abundantly. That's why Jesus said that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. It's your decision. We've talked about some of the things that God is not. I know, I know that really ruffles your feathers sometimes because you want God to be mean and vengeful because you want to be on the side of the righteous and you want the wicked burned up and Jesus said love your enemies do good to them that despitefully use and abuse you this is the constitution of the new covenant church Jesus stands on the Mount Olives. Think about this. In, I'm give, I'll give you another one for context so you understand what's happening. Moses stands on Mount Sinai and receives the law from God. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And I'm not saying those are good or those are bad. I'm just saying... Just in context, that's where Moses receives the law. Let's fast forward to the, the birthing of the church, which is going to be the birthing of the church. We have the constitution of the new covenant, and this is what Jesus, also standing on a mountain, and says this, and says this, if you if you're, if, uh, love your enemies... Do good to those that despitefully use and abuse you. If someone steals your coat, give them your shirt also. If someone asks you to walk a mile, go with them, Twain. Don't, don't render evil for evil. You've heard it said of them by the old times, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, if a man smites you on the cheek, turn to him also your, uh, turn to him also your other. He contradicts what the, what the Levitical priesthood in the old, old law says. He's saying, look, boys, I understand, and you don't understand, but you've got to think. Remember, when Moses came out, uh, he comes out with this, uh, some mixed theology. He, he believe he saw God. But he's, he's having to deal with the children of Israel who have lived in bondage for between 400 and 413, or maybe some say 425 years. So they had to learn how to behave because they had no clue because they were acting like the Egyptians because they were brought out of Egypt, but it took a while to get Egypt out of them me a whole lot of church people today. They, they come out of what they call the world, but the world ain't out of them. I'm for the world. So is God. The Bible says uh, that, that uh, Jesus is the Savior of the world, especially of those that believe. Savior of all men. Psalms 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of, of, the, thereof the world and they that dwell therein. I'm finishing up. I know you're ready to go. Somebody's thinking about cake and they can't even concentrate. When we see him as he is, then we see ourselves as we truly are, and then we begin to live life more abundantly. We've talked about what God is not. Let's end with what Father is, what his true nature is. All of this is completely and utter truth, and it's paramount that we understand it. God is good. I think it's a wonderful prayer to teach children. God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Remember this one? You know what? Say it with me. By his hands. Give us Lord. Amen. Because it starts with it starts with foundational truth about the nature of God. God is good. He's great. He's good. He's good. He's good when you don't think he's good, and he's good when he doesn't look good. He's good when circumstances are against you. He's good when you don't have a full and aware, full, the fullest awareness of knowing how good he is. He's good. He is kind. He's slow to wrath. He's patient. He's long suffering. He's gentle. He does not traffic in. Sh- this sounds familiar, doesn't it? He does not traffic in shame or disrespect. He's meek and lowly in heart. He's accessible. He's a place of refuge and shelter. He never stops believing for the best for others. He never stops believing the best about you. And he is love and love never fails. By the way, in case you don't know what that is, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You've probably heard it in some weddings. You should. That's fine. John is emphatic. The same John that we just read from, the same John that wrote the Saint John, that wrote the book of Saint John, and the same John that writes the book of the Revelation. And John says this. John says this uh, th- that, that God is love. Remember, what's the what's the song? Beloved, let's one love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knoweth God. He that knoweth not, loveth not God, for God is love. God is love. That's the point. God is love. So if you can say it about love, you should say it about God, because God is love. So what is love? Love is patience. Love is kind. Well, that don't sound like the God revealed in the Old Testament. In a lot of it. In some ways it is. David David would get a glimpse and say, your mercies are new every morning. So they had glimpses, but they only saw in part. Jesus is the complete and utter fulfillment and the total expression of everything Father ever wanted to say or or do in humanity. That's Jesus. I'd love for you to meet him because he's a lot better than you think. And he's just like his father. And his father's a lot better than you've been taught. He's not mean. He's not vindictive. He's not after you. He doesn't have a cup of wrath. They offered it to him. He didn't want it. So he threw the whole thing away. He doesn't have a cup of wrath. And he's not getting mad at the Democrats and Republicans. (laughs) Depending on which side of the aisle you happen to sit on if that's what your thing is. No. That's not what. You're telling me God ain't mad at them. God loves them. God is angry with the, with the serpent. He didn't curse Adam or Eve. He cursed the serpent. He cursed on, cursed is the serpent. You'll go on your belly and you'll eat the dust of the ground. And he cursed the ground, but he never cursed his son and he never cursed Eve. Never. I challenge you to find it. He doesn't. He doesn't curse them. So every picture of God that we have ever believed, if it is not congruent, or parallel to the nature of God as found in Jesus, here's what we need to do with it. Crumble it up and throw it away. In fact, I'd burn it because it's no good. Oh, man, that's going to take a lot of work. Well, I hope you're up to the challenge. You want to live with the mind of Christ? The first thing that you've got to do is you have to understand who Father is. You've got to understand it. And He is and He only is always good. And He wants good things for you. The prodigal father even he didn't even get mad at the son. I'll finish with this. Eli, play me some chords on the piano. Is he still here? You'll have to turn that thing up for him. I finished with this, and I love this. It's my favorite story because it's Jesus revealing truth. His disciples asked him one day, he said, "Man, why are you talking parables all the time?" And Jesus said, essentially, he said, "Because it's not given yet for them to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but for you it's given." He was revealing truths in the parables. He didn't just tell stories because he had nothing better to do. Come on, boys, the story time. Let's see what I can think up. No, he's like, okay. I'm going to tell them in something that they can understand. I'm going to show them the nature of the father in a story. And, and when they understand the story, they'll understand the nature of the father. So he said, it's, it's a man that had two sons. You know the story. There's a man that had two sons. And, and, the, and one day, the, the youngest of the two sons came to him and said, Father, give me the portion of, of the inheritance that falls to me. Now, if you knew anything about Hebraic culture, literally what the son was saying was, I wish you as dead. Because you don't get inheritance till your daddy dies, so it was insulting. It wasn't just can I get some money or can I, I want to do my own thing? Can you, you can give me your own? No, no, no? He was saying I wish you were dead so I could get what's coming to me. You know what the father didn't do? Screw you, boy! I'm keeping that money. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Ain't no babies in here. If they, I didn't mean to offend you. You say worse outside the church, so let's not get twisted. But <laughs> I've read your Facebook post. <laughs> Forget you. The, no, 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 the father, the father does it. He does it. He gives him what is not even yet really his to have. It would be. And the son takes his inheritance, and the Bible says he goes into a foreign country. So now he's outside of the realm of the protection of Father, the realm of the kingdom as we understand it. Jesus is given a parable. He goes way off into a far and he joins himself to a citizen of a far country. What he's saying is he joined himself to someone that is not related to him, that has no feelings for him, that doesn't love him, that's not going to die for him. He's joining himself to something that does not belong to him. Like we all do from time to time. And he's in a far country, and the Bible says he wastes his money on. Uh, on, on riotous, is the, is the King James riotous living. He spends it on prostitution and partying and just living it up as, as, and really when it all filters down none of that is living up because it leaves you destitute, it leaves you empty and it leaves you full of shame and regret. So I don't see how that can be living it up but maybe we need to redefine what living it up means. To me living it up means going home to the wife that you love and going home to the children that you love, living and doing the things that you're called to do and trying to cause kingdom come in the earth. I guess that's just me. But, and, I, and I totally and totally have made a bunch of mistakes. I'm not trying to put myself as an equal to God. What I am trying to say is, is if I fall down, you're going to find me getting up, and I'm going to dust my knees off, and I'm going to keep trying to walk, like I hope you will. And Jesus says, after a certain time, now he's got no money left. And now he lives in shame. And this is a Jewish boy. And the Bible says, he's got no money left. And he, the King James, he feigned. Would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine eat. Do you know? The Jewish people didn't eat swine, they didn't touch or have anything to do with the swine. We we skip over so much. They didn't want anything to do with it. And he's so hungry. He's so fam. He's, he's so he's in, in, in famine to come to the land. He's so hungry and he's so destitute and he's wasting away that he's gonna eat the pig slop. And the Bible says, as he's in the middle of eating the slop, and some of you might be right here yourselves. You think I don't know how to evangelize? I do. I know how to tell you how good father is. And in the middle of his lowest point of his life, when he squandered everything the father had and did all of the sins that we like to call out on a Sunday-by-Sunday Sunday basis, the Bible says he came to himself. What that means is the things that he remembered of father, he, his mind became one again. He remember, And then the Bible says and he remembered the goodness of his father's house. Jesus is telling the story to some hardened Jews. He remembers the goodness of his father. The father didn't chase him into the pig pen, but the goodness of father did. And he haunted him. He said, wait a minute, I remember. I got nothing left, but God, back at daddy's house, even the workers, they've got, he pays them so well that they have plenty to eat and they've got enough left over to share. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And I'll tell you what, when I go back to, this is Jesus telling the story. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say to him, father, and he takes his pen and his pad out. How can I make how? What can I do to make my father accept me again when I go back? I know that he'll never let me be a son again. I know that's out, so I'm going to scratch that out. But I, I'm not asking you to restore me. I'm not asking you to help me. I'm just, can you please let me work? What I what I really want to do is I want to work long enough and hard enough till I can get all the money that I lost. Uh, you know, just just hire me as a servant. I'll live out way away from the house. I'll live with the servants. I'll stay with the slave. That's okay. Just, just uh, so he's. He's written it down and he's stuffs it in his pocket. Now he's making, remember, he was in a far off country. So he's making his trek back home. No doubt on his way back home, he's thinking of all the stupid things that he had done throughout his life. I can't believe I did that with that woman. And I can't believe I spent that on that. And I can't believe I did this or I did or whatever. I can't believe that I did that. He's never going to accept me back. How I have got to make I've got I've got to I've got to fill him with such platitudes that maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be able to pull him by his by his beard and cause him to bend and say, You'll never be restored, but I'll tell you what, you can work for me, get all that money back that you owe me. And the Bible says that when he was still a far way off. The father saw him, which tells me father must have been sitting on the porch waiting on him every day. The father saw him, and he got up, and he ran breathlessly to his son. I can see father going. You got to know because if that son is seen by the servants of the father, the first thing you're going to do is arrest him, possibly beat him, and put him to death. This is Jewish culture. And he runs to him, and and the son begins to speak. Father, I have sinned. And before he gets the word sin out, Father picks him up. And Jacob, come. He picks him up, and the Bible says he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Run, Jacob. He fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said... He said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, and the father said, shh, I got things to do. Don't, don't understand the word. Hey, bring the best robe in the house. Bring a new shoes and put on my son's feet. Bring a ring, which means he has the signet ring, which means he can sign as though he's my restored son. Bring it to him. And by the way, go kill that big fat calf. It's party time. He interrupted all of the letter that the son was going to write to apologize to the father because it meant nothing to him because he was not a human doing. He was a son and father was restoring. It was the father's to give in the first place. And Jesus is the one telling the story. Not, you got to beg God to forgive because he's mean and wrathful and vengeance. Nothing about this story paints the picture of father as mean or wrathful or vengeful. Get the... Get the, best, get, get the best robe, get the best shoes, get the, get the ring, my ring, the one that I wear, that when I put it, on, on, when I put it in wax and put it on the envelope, it, I've sealed it. It means this is as good as my word. I'm giving my word back to my son, and I'm giving my identity back to my son, and I'm giving right standing back to my son, and I'm going to cause him to live in peace, and I'm going to cause him to live in joy. I, willed, I forbid him to live out as a servant. Jesus tells his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but friends. We're given servant mentality, and a whole lot of insecure preachers would love for you to stay with the servant mentality. The problem with it is they don't want you to serve him. They want you to serve them. That's Western theology in a nutshell, and it's gross, and it's abhorrent, and it's a stench in the nostrils of Jesus who says, my father is the one that runs breathlessly. after Prodigal means extravagant spender. So to me, the prodigal one in the story is the father because he spent everything he had to restore the son. I get choked up when I talk about him because I hate the fact that people don't know how good he actually is. And I do get angry. I get angry when he's misrepresented, but, but I've got to understand this is, these are men that ju- they just haven't learned yet. You can't be mad at the people. They think they're doing God a service. Try to help them, and I have. Believe me, and I do. On a week, You would be shocked at the big preachers in this town that reach out to me on a monthly basis, so, and I do my best to try to help them. And a lot of them, will you can copy my messages. God bless them. I'm for it. I don't care. I've copied messages before, too. When I didn't know how to preach, did I just, did I just indicate they don't know how to preach? I didn't mean that. It sounded really bad. <laughs> a lot of them don't. A lot of them, they know what they were taught in, in seminary, but they haven't spent enough time in His presence to give you anything worth value. You can quote a book, but they don't know the words of the Father. He is about restoration, and he always has been, and he always will be. God was in Christ Jesus reconciled. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have been given the mind of Christ to not just think what God thinks, but to think how he thinks. And for us to think how he thinks, we're going to have to see things through the same lens that he views things, and that is the lens of the life of his son. It's the lens of love, it's the lens of grace. It's, it's, the, it's the lens of acceptance. I don't believe that. Well, That's okay. You've been wrong before. That is, this is his nature. Let's pray. I, I know you're ready to go. Father, we want to see you as you are. I, I pray this. Any word that I spoke today, and I don't know of any, but any word that I spoke today that does not give a clear depiction of who you are, let that be forgotten and burned from their minds. But any depiction... Or description of you that is from your spirit, that is revealed in the life of your son, let it burn like a fire in their soul until it brings change. And and oh, I see it prophetically. Can I say? Can I tell you what I'm seeing? I saw some of your minds. That's God is my witness. I saw it like an old, like what we talked about the renovating house. And I saw the fire of this word, the fire of the Holy Spirit, burning up all of the old, ugly, rotted wood. And I see Father by his Spirit bringing in new and building, uh, building a new mind frame, a, a, a new mindset, not just a new mindset, but a new mind. You're going to begin to see with his eyes, and you're going to begin to feel with his hands, and hear with his ears, and smell with his nose, and, 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 and speak with his mouth. That's, that is your inheritance. This is the inheritance of the sons and daughters of God. So as we draw near to you, you said if we would draw near unto you, you would draw near unto us. You said those of us that were hungry and thirsty after righteousness would, would have our fill. So I pray that you fill this people that, are, that is in this building with the truth of your nature and the truth of who you are. Help us to be long-suffering and patient and kind and forgiving and loving, full of grace, slow to wrath. Any picture that we have of you, let it this day become subservient to the to the true picture of the logos, the nature of Father revealed in the life of Jesus. This day, let this be a starting point, a launching pad, for those of us that have been full of His Spirit, but seem to get in our way sometimes, and maybe we didn't know why. Let this this little series be a, a launching pad into into how we can. Uh, sustain a move of God personally in our families and in our communities as we take on your mind. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Two announcements, and then I'll let you go. The first is, next Sunday night, if you can, 6 o'clock, this is when Agape Faith Church has asked to come, and they have asked for you to come and celebrate together. Uh, Bishop Pastor Whitfield is going to come, the senior pastor of Agape. He wants to bless our church at 6 o'clock next Sunday night. I, I hope you don't have plans. I understand if you do, but it, it would mean a lot to me. If you come, it would, be, it would be embarrassing if he comes to celebrate with us and there are like 15 or 20 people here. That would be embarrassing. I mean, They've, they've given, <laughs> essentially given us $2 million worth of equity and they've believed in us and helped us. So if you can, and I don't feel guilty, there's no condemnation, but if you can, please make plans. to be. We're going to do praise and worship like we normally would. We're going to let him get up and we're going to have a celebration let him speak and then we'll go. You know, they were here trying to make it work for a while, and and now God's got us here. And the word glory that was above this building for so many years has been released because we're here. It has been released. An old prophet that was dying down in Charlotte, and they went and saw him. He said, how's Statesville? And he said, States was a dark place. And he said, I saw the word glory above that Shiloh building. This used to be called Shiloh. Maybe it should be again. Shiloh above the building. Or the word glory was above the building. And the Lord spoke and said, When the body of believers that gets that building that's supposed to be there, the glory that's been held in that heavenly room will be released. And I'm telling you, it is happening. It is happening. So if you can make plans to be with us next Sunday, we'll worship. We'll let him I'm not preaching, so you don't have to worry about it being like a long service or anything. And then uh and then uh We'll let Bishop, Pastor Whitfield say some stuff. I know we've got the, the auction out front of us, if somebody needs to say something about that. Prom oh, Prom is Friday. Pro, prom, short for promenade. For all ages, for it's for. It's a hold on a minute. They got to hear you.
0: It's a 90s throwback prom. Doesn't mean you have to come dressed. In the 90s, but if you want to, you can, and you can take that any way you want to. Rich, if you want to come as a 90-year-old, you're more than welcome to. If you want to dance like a 90-year-old, he does. We want to video it. Um, you don't have to wear anything special, unless you want to.
4: You can though. Everybody you
0: can. You can come in jeans if you want to. Whatever. Bring your family. Um, bring your friends. Dance and have fun.
4: It's at, six, it's at six, o'clock, six o'clock there will be refreshments this Friday. It's fun. We've done this for years, we did it years ago, and then we started doing it a few years back, and it has been a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun, so women are, Bible study. women are starting Bible study this Wednesday night. So if you're a woman, as we understand what women are, still what is? What is it? I'm going to get it in somehow. That's awful. That's awful. Elijah, I don't think anybody that's identifying as a woman is coming to see this. But if you're an actual woman, faith and fire Elijah, where is this happening? In, I'm saying, is this a room? Or are you gonna do a... I think we going to to do it. Boom, now. there we go. Bring your books. Do right? they have their books, right? Will you have more if other people show up? <laughs> okay. I learned nope. When she says nope, it's nope. And then, and then who's, were we doing the auction thing out front? You know, just tell about it? Or somebody want to say something? Micah, come on. Oh, there she is. She's like, I'm not coming up there. Uh, It's going to do
0: outside, so we're just going to do a last-minute bid. So if you want to go out there at the end of service, put a last bid if you want to or leave it as it is, and we'll tell you who won what, and then you can just take it home.
4: Here's what we're going to do. It's 1235. So for those of you who don't know, we are doing a bake sale auction out front. This is to raise money for our youth that's going to camp in two or three weeks. Out there, go look at the cakes. Write down the bid that you'd like to have. You've got 10 minutes. 10 minutes from now, I'm going to close the auction down, and whoever has the highest bid is going to get that dessert then, right? Father's Day, the day before Father's Day, we're doing a breakfast. We'll talk about that next week. Love you. Go in the love of the Lord. If you bid on what I bid on, there'll be a curse on you. Let your tongue cleave to the top of your mouth. (laughs) I can't see it from here. Yes, I don't know why they put it there. Sorry, okay, it's, for the, sure. it's, it's for the pedal board. Okay. I had him help me try to get set up. And I guess that's just where. It, Somebody trying to tell me something. I guess that's where it landed.